Hello, Solving Water listeners. I'm your host, Amanda Holloway, and I'm recording live from REACH 2021 in New Orleans. This marks my first REACH attendance, and I'm excited for the opportunity to bring you lots of great new content from our census business. So what is REACH? The Xylem REACH conference brings together utility professionals from across the globe to connect, learn, and grow around the challenges and opportunities they face every day. And while the title of this podcast is Solving Water, We'll have the pleasure of talking with experts from across the wide range of industries we serve in addition to water, including the gas and electric markets. You'll hear from our own people about the work we're doing to enable our customers and partners to advance their customer experience, join the shift toward digital transformation, and save operational labor and energy costs, as well as reduce environmental impact. The conference features sessions that look ahead to how we can not only upgrade existing infrastructure, but enhance processes and future-proof them as resiliency remains a critical priority for communities around the world. I hope you enjoy this series as much as I enjoyed interviewing these leaders and learned something valuable along the way. Good morning. Good morning. I'm here with Keisha DeRose with KTI Limited, and I'm at REACH 2021, day three. Day three, made it through. <laughs> um, and I'm so excited to have you on the show. If you want to talk a little bit about what you do and how you're connected with Xylem, that would be great. I am the account manager for Western Canada for water uh, for KTI Limited. So we are a master distributor of census for gas, electric and water. So I focus on managing those accounts in Western Canada, uh, BC, British Columbia, uh, Alberta, Saskatchewan and the Yukon and the Northwest Territories. Although it sounds very large, we have a lot more land than population compared to the U.S., so it's always fun when I tell people that. I've been just so anxious to like learn more about the Canadian market compared to the U.S., and we were talking a little bit yesterday, and you were explaining how even the territory you cover in the western part of Canada, there's some differences even between that and the eastern part of Canada. So, Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I would just love to understand understand what's going on in the market there. When I first started about seven years ago, I actually came from the irrigation space. So I was in central control systems with weather-based irrigation systems. I realized that at that time, we actually didn't have enough properties that were metered. So water was actually not being tracked within commercial, industrial and residential spaces. So when I made the leap, because KTI recruited me, I made the leap over and it was such an interesting um, and dynamic industry because there's so much opportunity. So when I say so much opportunity, there's not a lot of universal metering going on in Western Canada. I would say in Alberta and Saskatchewan, we see more of it. But in BC, there I would say there's probably only 20 to 25% of properties that are metered, maybe not even that. So currently, you have a lot of municipalities, whether it's towns or cities, that are only metering commercial, industrial, institutional, so anything hospitals, large multifamily buildings, etc. They might be metered, but it's the residential that we still have to meter moving forward forward. Can you give us a sense for why that is? You know, why isn't the metering happening there? So I think that we are in Western Canada. I call it the BC Lotus Land. <laughs> I moved I moved there almost 20 years ago from Toronto. Water is definitely abundant. Uh, we have waterfalls, we have ocean, we have a lot of water. And I think that previously, 
I don't think it was an issue. I think that there was a few years, even when I was in the irrigation space, where they actually had level three and level four water restrictions, which was really surprising for some towns and cities because it was a real, like everyone stopped in their tracks and they're like, what do you mean we don't have enough water to water our lawns? (laughs) So everything kind of stopped. And I think that that was probably around 2008 to 2010. So what we're noticing now is that we in Vancouver, Metro Vancouver built a a water treatment facility um, in North Van and that cost quite a bit of money. So I think that they're just trying to recover that and people realize they need treated water out of their taps. So why are you putting that on your lawns? And now they're trying to catch up. So with the cities and towns that I work with now, uh, they seem to be kind of subsidizing the flat rate. So I live in Pitt Meadows, British Columbia, and a majority of residential homes and are on flat rate. But you are starting to see that the flat rate is not covering the cost of the water from Metro Vancouver. So now right we're going to be in quite a little bit of a pinch in the next few years and i think cities are really going to have to struggle to look at their budgeting and look at infrastructure and try to decide how they're going to work that cost and i've noticed that there are some cities in western canada that are trying to get that cover that cost by bylaws or increasing property taxes so i think that they're really doing that kind of juggling game and really looking at those numbers and i guess one city particular and i'm not going to name it (laughs) so they've been doing some costs around going to rfp for years but the infrastructure with regards to the meter pits they're realizing that they have to start digging all of that up and start paving it's not simply a meter change out or a meter addition so there's a lot of costs involved that they're going to have to look at and crunch those numbers is it just climate change that's driving this lack of water you said it was abundant and now people have to pay attention well i'm not a climate specialist but I will tell you, when I moved 20 years ago, it would never get above 25 degrees. And I say Celsius because I'm here in the U.S., so <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do my quick math on Fahrenheit right now. But it never used to get above 25 degrees. And now, in the summers, we're seeing 38-degree weather. So, yes, there is some of that. I'm not a climatologist. I'm not an yeah. environmentalist. But definitely, I've seen it firsthand because there's a lot of buildings, even in Vancouver, that do not have air conditioning. Like, you wouldn't imagine that down here in Louisiana, that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, we, we don't have a lot of air conditioning, and now people are starting to put that into their homes and you know get those rtd2 air conditioners and put them in their windows so i've seen a lot of changes definitely in the last 20 years what are some of the other challenges that you're seeing so you mentioned you know there's one municipality that it's like an entire infrastructure situation right Mm -hmm. it's not just a simple swap out of meters that are aging what are the other you know challenges you're seeing with customers and how how are you helping them I think wrapping their heads around technology and doing that return on investment on that. And I think that there's a lot of things that they need to consider. So obviously right now we have a lot of towns and cities that are still doing touch read. Like they have people doing truck rolls or going out there, they're walking up to houses. They got to bring those reads back. Like it's a very manual process. So my goal in the last few years is just trying to migrate those 
customers from that AMR model. And when I say AMR, you know, advanced meter reading, automatic meter reading. So they're using walk-by and drive-by. So handhelds, they're using drive-by systems with antennas on their cars. They're going from that system and now already we're moving to like Android and Apple. You can use your devices. But really, cities want to be able to see real-time results of leak detection, water consumption, zero consumption, alerts and alarms. So they want to be able to see that real time. I'm a very good connector of people and my best enjoyment of my job is trying to get everyone to play well in the sandbox. And when I say that, I would say I'm bringing in finance and IT and water operations, asset management, engineering. I'm bringing them all into a room. And within municipalities, sometimes they don't play well together sometimes. It's just there's some that do, some that don't. But I think they really don't understand each other until it gets to working on a project and forecasting those costs and then finding out, okay, even if we have the money to do this, then what? Because they're used to not having all of that data come at them like a fire hose. So they have to manage that data and then go, okay, now how are we going to respond to it, right? Before, if they only went every three to six months doing touch reads, they'd come back with a problem and keep going back to that location to troubleshoot. So now they can see real time and kind of assess and do their workforce management and decide which technician's going to go out. They, they have more of an idea of what is going on in the field than they ever did. But then the issue is you're going to take all of those people that used to do meter reads and you're going to have to reapply them into different positions to respond. It's really interesting. We were talking a little bit about digital transformation and sort of how that is impacting the industry. So if we're moving into more of this data-driven environment, can you talk to me a little bit about what you're helping your customers do in terms of like getting on board with the digital shift? I guess right now we are looking at software as a service and network as a service. So in Western Canada, Census and KTI have worked with Fortis BC. So we now have contract with Fortis BC. We're having network as a service and it's going to make it easier for municipalities and utilities in British Columbia to kind of piggyback that system. That makes it a little bit easier in that province. But then when it comes to Alberta and Saskatchewan and the other provinces, they still need to put up that infrastructure. Things are changing all the time. And I think that's why I love this industry, because even being here at REACH, we're always learning more about the add-ons. So you got the data, but now you're looking at, okay, now we have a hidden revenue locator. It's like, what is that with real apparent losses? We're looking at pressure profiling. We're looking at temperature. We're looking at a district metering. Like it's very exciting, but it's just trying to, I guess, slow that pace down and try to explain to the customers and the right departments where it impacts them. So it's taking that entire solution and bringing it down to, okay, why does it matter to Amanda if she's in finance? Like, how's it going to change her every day? And why does she really want this? So you just got to make sure that you get past people putting on the brakes and just kind of help them understand. Well, yeah, it's true. It. I mean, I think what's resonated with me in talking with everyone over the course of REACH is that communication is just as important as the actual technology or the work that we're trying to do, right? So it's really just helping educate and partner with these utilities or these municipalities 
municipalities and help them understand how it does impact them. Yeah, we've been doing a lot of lunch and learns with some utilities just because it is it is a lot of information. So you just kind of want to give them little tidbits at a time. And when we find we do that, we do these lunch and learns, which has been interesting because during the pandemic, I can't really go there in person. So we're sending them these lunches. <laughs> Just like having them delivered. Call, call like That's skip the nice. dishes and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> partnering with restaurants in the local area. And yeah, we, we send the lunches to like public works and city hall and, you know, sit them down and we just kind of slowly educate them on the different aspects and just give them, you know, like a two week, every two weeks, you know, it's like a slow draw <laughs> so they can understand it, get their head around it, ask the questions and then go to the next phase. When you present this information, so let's say you're talking about hidden revenue locator at one point, and then you're talking about some other add-on at another point, how do you help customers understand what is most valuable for them? I would say it's like the three-prong approach. So number one is having that conversation with the person, like really understanding that person, what drives them, what their key drivers are in their position, right? Secondly, I think it's understanding their hardware and their software, where they are right now, and just kind of looking at that and saying, okay, what do we need? Because if they already have radios and you're doing drive-by reads and you can simply migrate it to a tower-based system, that's a whole nother gamut. But if they are in legacy systems, you have to start looking at that. So I would say the people, I would say the hardware, and then going into the software. So obviously we have to look at where they're at. They usually have different billing systems. We need to integrate with that accordingly. So I would say it's that three-prong approach. What about some trends you're seeing or just some projects that you're working on right now that you're really excited about? Yeah. Before we sat down, I was trying to think. We've uh, rolled out quite a few AMI systems in the last few years. So with advanced metering infrastructure, we've been able to roll that out through conferences. Like we've really connected with a lot of uh, CAOs, um, mayors and city councillors, and that's a whole different target and conversation than it is with water operation within the city or public works. So right now we have quite a few AMI systems out there. Um, One in particular is Okotoks, Alberta. Uh, They have an AMI system with only one base station that covers 10,000 population of, of meters. They have a customer portal. I love telling their story because we had a presentation at Reach a couple years ago and they were having a really hard time having people do an uptake of getting on their customer portal. So they were going out to community events and festivals and having a booth. But I think the best traction they had was when they actually went in and did an education session with grade five students. Wow. And the grade five students went back to their parents and they're like, hey, do you know we have this? We could manage our own water. We can start conserving water as a family. We can start using these this dashboard. So they actually had an uptake of people to go onto their customer portal. And I thought that was a really, really innovative idea. Yeah, that's awesome. So that just came out of conversations from Reach? Not from Reach, but they were presenting. So I Uh. presented on their behalf at Reach a couple years ago. But it was just, it was an idea that they had as a city and in their communications group that they're like, how do we get people to log on and and activate their customer portal? Because they had everyone on AMI system for water, so... So then other customers or peers can replicate that model if they're experiencing similar issues in terms of adoption. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So tell me a little bit more about what you've been doing at Reach this week and, you know, what you're hearing and, you know, what you're excited about. For me, I came with definitely number one, I wanted to learn more about pressure profile. We have a lot of add-ons for the AMI system. We just launched the Hidden Revenue Locator at uh, the city of Leduc, Alberta. So they are managing over 10, I think 10,500, maybe close to 12,000 endpoints now. And they have added on a Hidden Revenue Locator. And the reason that they did that is because when you have aging meters and you're losing, right, it's it's non-revenue water that you're not realizing, whether it's real or apparent losses, they're looking at that and saying, okay, which meters should we be changing out? And they are loving this new add-on to their AMI system because they don't actually have to send anyone out there physically. They're taking all of that data over all of these years because they've been on AMI since, I would say, 2010, 2011. They're probably one of our oldest AMI customers in Western Canada, but they have all of that data so we can actually crunch that data look at those meters if they're you know the incorrect sizing if they need to be changed out yeah it's it's actually working really well but it's very new so i think we just launched that with them a couple months ago so stay tuned maybe right. we'll, maybe we'll have another podcast yes just on of that. course i'd love that <laughs> So you you said you're really interested in the pressure profile. And why is that? I think because before I didn't realize, I didn't understand enough about how that operated and how that worked. Um, Because we have our ally meters, but we also have our smart gateway. So the fact that you can use a smart gateway and have digital and analog sensors, I was learning not only about what sensors can be applied, how we can actually track that pressure within... I guess PRV, PRV valves, and with regards to our omnimeters, and then going back to the ally meter and looking at pressure and temperature, there was a session, I think it was Joe Dreyer was doing, and he was just showing how you can apply that in the best way possible in the community, and kind of strategically place those ally meters out there so that you can understand pressure beyond what a city would see right now using an iPro. So what's next for you? Uh, we're coming into the end of the year here, and 2022 is coming up. What are you working on next year? I want to get everyone on AMI. That's my goal. That's a great goal. <laughs> it is. No, it's just frustrating because I think before the pandemic, I feel that it was really a hard slog for some cities and towns to get up with technology. And I think that some people still fear it. And I find the workforce is interesting with municipalities because you got a mix of the, what do you, what do you call them now? Generation Y? No, we're probably <laughs> millennials. I don't know. But you have you have a mix of different demographics demographics and ages and experiences that are working at cities. You got people that are retiring at a really fast rate out of municipalities and you got some people that are just out of school coming in and they love technology. So I find that it's very interesting on who's embracing it, who's not. So those conversations are interesting within the utilities. And yeah, I I think that it's going to be really exciting in the future because in this pandemic has shown a lot of municipalities that it's not ideal to have walk-by, drive-by systems. People don't want to go into homes and right go into the side of houses or be in contact with as many people. They want to do things as hands-off as they can unless it's absolutely necessary um, to start getting in there and going on to people's homes or properties or basements. So I think that there's definitely more of a need and I find all of the work that I've been doing for six, seven years, I have customers making the loop around and saying, okay, let's do this. Let's talk about this. How can we get going on this? So 
I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited about 2022. Good. That's great. So I um, always end the podcast with a question for all of our guests. What is the most important thing you've learned in the water business so far? Never underestimate the power of data. Yeah, I would say never underestimate the power of data. And the other thing in, in the water business and coming to these reach reach conferences is that I'm always learning so much more like unless you're with the product experts you actually sometimes can't put all the puzzle pieces together so I always look at xylem and I love the fact that we can serve a to z within water like solving water right just what we talk about but I think that it brings it all together because you realize whatever you put your magic wand up and think that you can do I'm pretty sure we can do it. We just have you just have to talk to the right people and bring all the puzzle pieces together and there's your masterpiece. Keisha, it was really great speaking with you. I would love to have you on another podcast in the future. I hope you Thank have you. a great rest of your reach show. Thank you. And your time here in New Orleans. And yeah. like I said, thanks again for being here. I'm excited. Thank you. And a big thank you to our Solving Water audience for being here today. Please come back and join us for the next episode in the 2021 REACH series. More information can be found at the link in today's show notes. And please contact me at amanda.holloway at xylem.com or via LinkedIn with questions, feedback, or to be a guest on Solving Water.